On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about Ezekiel Elliott's suspension, what it means for his fantasy value and for the Dallas Cowboys. Jay Cutler, is he back? And why he doesn't need to be in good shape because of the position he plays. Uh, Are the Bears back? Is Mitchell Trubisky the greatest thing since sliced bread? Find out. And then we're going to get into the big trade, the two trades involving the Buffalo Bills that happened today. All this and more on today's episode. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and with us today is a fantasy football champion, and you guys probably know him a little bit better as the baseball expert here at the Fumbling Punter, Lucas Jones. Lucas, thanks for being on today. Yeah, not a problem. It's been a while. It has, man. So we got a lot to catch up on. So the first thing that I have to hit on, because this came out right after the last podcast, and I've been waiting for like a week to talk about it. The Dolphins signing Jay Cutler. I love it. I love that when a reporter asked if he was in good enough shape that he was like, I play quarterback. I don't need to be in that good of shape. Like, (laughs) can we just watch every Dolphins game this year? I just want to watch, like, the freight train that I know is going to be Jay Cutler this season. Yeah, like, is he going to, like, is he going to be awesome and win in the division? No. Did they get a wild card spot? Probably, you know, it just depends. But, I mean, Jay Cutler's got a point. I mean, there's some quarterbacks that do a lot of work, you know, to stay in real good shape. And there's some that, you know, that kind of don't, that you don't really care if they run or not. Like, you know, for instance, like Tom Brady's like super healthy and everything, but he's not really a guy that's going to run the ball. Peyton Manning, you know, maybe he, he ate a lot of chicken farm. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I I don't know his – I mean, you know, they obviously eat better and train a little more than the average American. But, you know, Jay Cutler makes – everyone always posts that cigarette smoking meme. You know, they put that cigarette up to his mouth. Like, he's one of the funniest (laughs) things I've ever seen in my life. It's like, no, Jay Cutler probably doesn't smoke. But Lynn Dawson smoked. I love that picture of Lynn Dawson at halftime of the Super Bowl drinking a Fresca and smoking a cig. Like that Exactly. If that happened today, everybody <laughs> would lose their fucking mind. Oh man, like if the only chance we're ever gonna get to see that is if Manziel makes a comeback. And instead of uh Fresca and a smoke, it might be like a fifth of Jack and a smoke. <laughs> right. Like Just to get through. I'm ready to watch some CFL if Johnny signs up. Yeah, I think he should. I mean, why not? And, you know, let's, let's just say, like, you know, there's been a lot of fallout from the uh, NFL, a lot of NFL sports writers on Jay Cutler signing there and Colin Kaepernick not getting signed there. And you guys won't hear none of that BS on this podcast. Nope. Dolphins did the right thing. No, I am more on the get Johnny Manzella job. I mean, he was in Cleveland. Cleveland. No quarterback on those Browns team would have been good. So, I'm rooting for you, Johnny. Come on the podcast anytime, buddy. Get your job. Okay, so, Lucas, let's switch to serious for a second. How do you think Jay Cutler versus Ryan Tannehill affects the Dolphins receivers' uh, fantasy value this year? 
talent-wise, I don't think much difference. Um, it's all going to come down to how quickly Jay Cutler and his receivers get on the same page. Cutler does have experience in Adam Gase's system, so that certainly helps. Yeah. Jarvis Landry is probably, you know, he's, he's such a possession-type guy that, you know, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for him. Jay Cutler does have a big arm, so not real worried about Kenny Stills and, and Devontae Parker. Um, it, it just It's just how quickly they mesh. They may, it may not be by week one, but maybe by week four, they're looking a lot better than they did in week one. It's just hard to say right now, but talent-wise, don't think it was a huge drop-off. Oh, I completely agree. I've never been huge on the Ryan Tannehill train. This is his fourth or fifth year in the league. Am I correct? Right. Yeah. And so yeah, this fifth year probably well yeah I mean he at least, at least yeah because he was the A and M quarterback six. before Manziel and so he never played in the SEC so this would be his fifth year in the league yeah and I mean I have not seen enough of him to think that Jay Cutler is going to be a big downgrade for the Dolphins. See the thing with the Dolphins is Tannehill's like the best available option. Yeah. Because they're not bad enough to draft a franchise quarterback. But Tannehill's not really a guy you want to give, you know, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr money to. Oh, yeah. So I, the Dolphins are kind of in a no-man's land there because, you know, Adam Gase is a pretty decent little coach. They got talent on the offense, talent on the defense. They're just one of them spots that, you know, they're, you know, it's something like the Steelers are going to be in in a few years, probably something like the Pets are going to go through in a few years. Unless Jimmy G is the real Unless deal. Unless Jimmy G stays, I mean, you know that the there's a if Tom Brady wants to play four or five more years, you know they can franchise tag Jimmy for a couple of years, but they'll be paying more to Jimmy than they will Tom Brady. But the franchise tag, this is Jimmy G's last year contracted. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean he's so definitely gonna, you know they're going to pay your backup more than Tom Brady. You got your <laughs> quarterback of the future. And I'm sure at some point Jimmy Grapple is like, yeah, I'll take the $23 million franchise tag, you know, for a year or two, but at some point he's going to want to play. Hey, man, I'd just collect all that money to sit there and watch Tom Brady win that you could pay me. Oh, me personally? <laughs> yeah. I'll take a World Series or a Super Bowl ring and, uh, you know, take all that millions of dollars and be the most famous backup in history. Outside of Chase Daniel, maybe? Well, yeah, all, but all, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, all he needs is one franchise tag year, and he'll probably catch right up the money Chase Daniels made. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, so next thing I got is uh, the NFL announced today that they're suspending Ezekiel Elliott for six games under the domestic violence policy. He has three days to appeal, and let's talk about what that means, not only for his fantasy value, but what that means for the Cowboys this year. Lucas, uh, let's start with fantasy value. The guy's missing six games, uh, assumably. I mean, I think that if you're drafting this weekend like our league is, uh, Packers Suck, by the way, is the name. Uh, I think that if you're drafting this weekend, I mean, he's missing six games, so you have to assume he's going to miss six games. What do you think this does for his value? It drops it significantly. Um, Four games is a different story. Lev Bell, Tom Brady missed four games last year, and they came back and dominated. Um, 
you know, Le'Veon Bell had more fantasy points per game than David Johnson. Yeah. So, I mean, four games you can make do with if you're comfortable enough in your fantasy ability to, you know, if you're going to miss your star player for four games, you you got to be able to hit on a few other guys and then just be really good when that guy comes back. So if it stays at six, though, I mean, he's got to drop to third round, I would think. I mean, he's not going to drop to the fifth or sixth because he's going to be good when he comes back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of hard to peg right now, especially for leagues that are already drafting. Um, In a couple weeks when our uh, bad boys league drafts, we should know the outcome of the appeal. And that will clear it up a little bit four games I think he probably goes late first round in a 12 team league six games he probably goes early third late second yeah and uh what do you think about Darren McFadden while he's gone because the Cowboys do have that great offensive line Dak Prescott led them to a really good season last year do you think that uh run DMC is going to have a little bit of old Arkansas magic left in him uh for me right now it's hard to see (laughs) yeah I mean, he had all the talent in the world about six seasons ago. That's been such a long time ago. He'll definitely get an opportunity. I'm not wasting a high pick on him. Um, but, you know, at some point they will, you know, they Zeke will come back. You have to oh, that yeah, mind. yeah. So, you know, he's not going to usurp Zeke from the job. And I, I don't know. Fantasy-wise, I'd stay away from him. Real-life-wise, him and whoever their third strings are going to be, if it's going to be Alfred Morris or Ronnie Hillman or whoever they end up with, uh, will probably see significant playing time as well because Run DMC doesn't have the best history of staying healthy. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely all seen that. So now let's talk about what it means for the Cowboys. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the lead on this. I, uh, man... Ezekiel Elliott and their running game, really the running game the last few few good years the Cowboys have had behind DeMarco Murray a couple of years ago and then behind Zeke last year, uh, they have to run the ball to be a good football team. And I was talking to our good buddy Tyler, who we're going to one day talk into coming on the podcast earlier, and they have a tough schedule. They have the AFC West and the NFC West in their cross-conference matchups. Not to mention the NFC East is always tough. And I think that not having Zeke, I mean, we'll have to see what they get out of Darren McFadden. But if it's the Darren McFadden of old, I think that it could be a tough start to the season for the Cowboys having to rely on uh, DMC and Dak Prescott's arm. What do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the key to them was controlling the run game, um, keeping their defense off the field as much as possible. Zeke allowed them to have a higher time of possession last year than any other team in football. So, you know, it's a huge concern now because that defense, they got some young guys on there, but is it ready? Because now it's going to have to be ready. And they got t- they're playing tough teams with tough secondaries. That's going to be tougher on Dak. You know, it's you know, I, I wasn't going to pick the Cowboys to win that division anyways. I was probably leaning toward the Giants. Uh, definitely, I don't know if the Cowboys can even squeak out a wild card unless Zeke does get, a, you know, a, a, a reduction in his suspension. Yeah, I, I just pulled up their first six-week schedule. 
They open against the Giants, then they have the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Rams, Packers, 49ers. Loss, loss. I mean, I see them beating... Probably beat the Rams. Yeah, the Rams and the Niners. But other than that, without, I mean, they could real, very realistically start the season 2-4, and four, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. if I was betting, I would, I would do that. And I wouldn't even sleep on the Rams at this point. Yeah, the Cowboys should beat them, but I mean, and obviously you hate the Rams for oh. weird reasons. Yeah, but I, you know, they, you can expect a bigger year out of Gurley. They just got Sammy Watkins. Jared Goff has to be better. Well, you would think he can't be worse. Uh, so talking about the Rams, that transitions into our next talking point of the big trades that went on today involving the Buffalo Bills. So, when it all shook out, this is what happened. The Rams got Slammin' Sammy Watkins and a sixth-round pick. Then the Eagles got Ronald Darby. The Buffalo Bills ended up with EJ Gaines Island, as I like to call him. Jordan (laughs) Jordan Matthews, the Rams' second-round pick, which... If you're basing it on, you know, what the Rams have looked like the last couple of years, you know, you could be talking about a, you know, a top 40 pick. And then the Eagles third. I like it for Buffalo, personally. I What so do you think? It gives Buffalo two picks in the first, second, and third next year. That's six guys, you know, you're going to get in the top half of the draft. You know, you could definitely do worse. Um Sammy probably ever wasn't likely going to re-sign in Buffalo. I just think it's a small market. He's a big name without big production, but he's a big name. Yeah. He probably wants to play somewhere warmer. It's probably easier on his ailing foot and ankles to be somewhere warmer. The Rams are obviously in L.A., so Sammy Watkins can be the superstar there. You know, he he can be in a huge market. They probably have a better chance to re-sign them than the Bills did. So, you know, I think it's a good good trade for the Rams if Watkins is more than a one-year uh, player there because you're not going to get anybody of Watkins' caliber in the second round. No. Um, so, I mean, because we all have to remember, I mean, the Bills traded up and drafted Sammy Watkins, like, what, fourth overall? Fourth or fifth, yeah. yeah it was it fourth was t- or fifth, something like that. Um, but, yeah, the Bills have the Chiefs first round pick next year and now they have the Phillies third and Rams second so and and really they can still make do with the guys they just gave up I mean they immediately flipped Ronald Darby because EJ Gaines will take his spot flipped him for Jordan Matthews who will fill in second spot and you know be a little cheaper might be easier to re-sign they signed Bolden this last week they got Zay Jones so really it's not like the Bills are tanking or packing it in. You know, if they trade McCoy tomorrow, then, you know, you could probably say, well, they're packing it in. But, you know, good on the new Rams leadership. I think they're making the – or the uh, the Bills. Okay, leadership. okay. I think they're making the right move. And I don't hate it for the Rams either. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't you – know, so. I don't hate it for the Rams, but I don't know. It gives Goff another option for sure. Well, it might keep they might keep people from stacking the box against Gurley. Yeah, that's very true. That's what they're worried about. Now they have Robert Woods, who he, it was never really that bad. 
he may be better now that he's back in California. He was a stud for USC. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, take that into account. You know, they lost Kenny Britt. Tavon Austin never really turned in anything. They gave him no. a lot of money. I don't know why. But, you know, now you basically have a new core of Watkins and Woods that are just going to spread out the field. All that does is help Gurley. So. Yeah, I I completely agree. Go on, on their turn of it. They signed Jeffrey. They signed Torrey Smith. They have Zach Ertz. You know, they got Darren Sproles, LeGarrette Blunt. Um, and their biggest weakness for them was their backfield or their defensive backfield. So now they're getting, a, you know, a pretty decent cornerback there to help shore that up a little bit. So I think that was a decent trade for them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think that it was one of those times where trades in the NFL made good sense. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of big baseball-type trades in the NFL, but I like this. Yeah, I wish you could see a little bit more of it. but Yeah, I completely you know, agree. It was like, well, it was like I talked to Tyler today, too. It's like he said, he said, well, the big trade last preseason was the Vikings getting Sam Bradford. And I said, yeah. I mean, it was a big trade, but everybody knew the Vikings were going to try to make a deal for a quarterback. This came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. We started to talk about Zeke and everything that happened there, and then all of a sudden I see on Twitter, Rappaport's like, Sammy Watkins just got traded. Yeah, huge, huge deal. So let's switch over to baseball for just a minute. Hey, hold on. Okay. Before we leave football, I want to go on the record as saying that, well, I'm a Roger Goodell fan. I think he's done great to make football super popular and everything. Yeah. This Zeke thing is ridiculous. There was no possible way he should have got six games. That's my opinion on it. There was little to no evidence. The authorities found no evidence. Said the accuser was basically lying. Um, Man, so yeah, that's... I, you know, she was on record saying I'll ruin his career. So she's off to a damn good start. I just think that – I think if he's going to – I think he's probably going to get reduced to four games. I mean, yeah, and uh, that's... A- but I disagree wholeheartedly with this decision. And I'm not a Cowboys fan, you know that. Yeah. I hate the Cowboys like a lot of people do. A lot of people seem like the Cowboys are their team or they hate them. I don't hate them. Zeke and Dez and Dak, they were fun to watch last year. And I just feel like I just feel like he got screwed. Yeah, and, I, you know, I have not read enough of the details in the case to uh to really make a big stance but if that's the case what you know what you're just saying then yes i completely agree he got screwed and the nfl it's not like they have a perfect record of uh acting properly on player punishment and goodell well, has Josh brown admitted like 20 times in the statement that he beat his wife and he got a two-game suspension yeah, last year. yeah like now, everybody Randy knew got immediately cut and he'll never play another down in the nfl but he straight up admitted it and was like, you know, two games. Now, I'm not saying – and I don't want to blame everything on Roger Goodell. I'd have to go back and review. But I'm pretty sure after everything with Ray Rice, they, like, got some new minds in there to just see over the domestic violence investigation. Like, I think he hired some pretty high-profile people, lawyers and Justice Department people out of Washington, D.C. to work for the NFL. So – uh, just keep an eye on Goodell taking all the blame because that's what happens when you're commissioner or CEO. Oh, but yeah. But this probably wasn't all him. 
Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, there there are other people making that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so baseball. I want to hit you with a couple of hot takes real quick. Uh, so I was thinking about MVP the other day, and what made me think of this was just Charlie Blackman killing killing baseballs. I think that Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. But by the way, folks, we're getting into a little purple rain talk. Uh, I think that. Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado are both very legitimate, deserving MVP candidates. I think that the Coors Field bias is going to hurt them. I think that uh, the Dodgers' great season is going to hurt them. And then, of course, anytime you have two teammates having great years, they are going to get votes stolen away from each other. So ultimately, I thought about this, Lucas. I thought long and hard. I think Cody Bellinger is going to win the MVP. possible i, I mean, was thinking probably harper or goldschmidt well I, you know Bellinger, i was thinking let's, you know Bellinger, you can make a case for him he is a stud yeah and you know you look at the nationals and their good year it's not bryce harper's having a good year all the respect in the world for bryce but ryan zimmerman's also having a terrific year uh you know he's not you know it seems like the only difference between last year's Dodgers and this year's Dodgers is Bellinger playing first base and he's replacing a guy who was one of the top 15 players in the National League uh 20 25 the last 10 years other than when he was with Boston of course and so it's not like they needed a first baseman Adrian Gonzalez was terrible he just came in and just started murdering baseballs and I think because of the season that they're having out in L.A., I think Cody Bellinger is going to get it. My vote I would go to Charlie Blackman, but I think that Cody Bellinger is going to win it. Mine would go to Goldschmidt, and I think that's ultimately where it'll end up. He's been underlooked for so long, they're probably going to try to make up for it some. Uh, uh, no, I would be completely fine with that. You can make a case for Bellinger and Blackman and them guys. Bellinger missed the first month of the season, and no fault of his own. I mean, he should probably be sitting at about forty-six home runs right now. Yeah. Um, you know, he could still make he could still make a decent. You know, you just this next six weeks of baseball, keep an eye on it. Um, I think it's going to go with Goldschmidt. Um, Harper is surrounded by a bunch of. It's actually more than just Zimmerman having a good year. I mean, Anthony Rendon's having a great year. David Murphy's having a great year. So, I mean, that may hurt Harper some. Uh, I mean, that may hurt future Chicago Cup Bryce Harper some. <laughs> I knew you were going to get that in at some point. <laughs> but, you know, it's a race to keep an eye on. If your team's out of the division races, which means basically if you're a Dodgers or Nats fan, then, you know, whatever, you may, the most interesting race in the National League may be the MVP race for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the – both of those races have been over for a while. The Nats, gosh, it feels like they've had the Amer- the National League East wrapped up since about May. Does it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have. I think they've had a 10-game or more lead since, like, the third week of yeah. the season. But So the next thing I want to hit on real quick is these uh, – so the MLB is doing this thing for the Little League World Series. The Cardinals and the Pirates are going to play in uh, Williamsport – for the little leaguers and they're doing a players weekend and the players are getting to wear their nicknames on the back. Uh, 
And, you know, it's kind of an opportunity for them to get some cool designs. And I just want to point out, I'm getting ready to power rank these. My least favorite jersey of all is the St. Louis Cardinals. You get an opportunity to have a, like a once in a, once a year, once every five years, cool hat jersey combo. And the Cardinals have the same freaking hat they wear every single game. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. But I don't know if yeah, you've maybe looked. Maybe they at- should go. Maybe they should go cat on the bat. <laughs> but you know the Indians. The Indians also kind of stuck with like basically their same jersey. Um, looking through here, the Angels basically stuck to their own or to their regular jerseys. I mean their hats at least. But I'm looking through, and the Mariners, the Rays, the A's, and the Rockies are far and away the best looking jersey hat combos the rockies i'm gonna be real i'm getting ready to buy one really big fan not gonna lie if it wasn't two hundred dollars i'd probably get a 19 chuck nasty uh jersey as as well it's a pretty sweet combo so lucas have you got a chance to look at those i've seen a few the only thing i really liked was the cup but uh, it's sharp. And I had this conversation with JK yesterday. Not a fan of this weekend. Really? Not a fan. I mean, if it with the nicknames on the back of the jerseys and stuff, I don't like it. I mean, it's a one weekend deal. You can call me old fashioned, old cousin, whatever. I just don't. I just don't like it. I think if you normally have names on the back of your jerseys, okay, go with your name. If you're the Yankees, don't. That's tradition. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't like it. Oh, did you see Kyle Seeger's nickname? Corey's little brother or something (laughs) like that. Corey's brother, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, they're having some fun. So, I'm, I don't know. I like it. I think it's cool. Oh, that's fine. I mean, you know, in this case, an opinion, opinions are not wrong. They're just opinions, you know, so. Yeah. So last thing I wanted to hit on on today's podcast is the Dodgers historic 50 game run they just got off of 43 and 7 in 50 games. That is incredible. Yeah, they uh they're looking good. They're looking primed. I think they're the World Series favorite. They should be. I know that the Cardinals are making a World Series run right now. Six games in a row. <laughs> Game back between the Cubs, mass celebrations going on all around. Lucas, you just need um, to stay off Facebook and Twitter until the Cardinals lose a couple of games in a row. God, you're probably right. It would uh, probably be best for your blood pressure if you just didn't look at either of them. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's the Cubs' fault. They're the ones that lost six out of the last eight games. You know, they lose two out of three to the bullshit Giants. Yeah, I mean... You know? That's the only reason the Cardinals are still in this is the Cubs haven't played well. And that's the only way the Cardinals are going to go to the playoffs is if the Cubs don't play well. It's been their division to lose all year. They finally, a couple weeks ago, got into first place, and they're not running away with it. One guy in particular is just like, the thing about the Cubs and Dodgers is that they start the season sucking, and they're going to suck all year, but not the Cardinals. They always turn it around. No one plays ball. Like I'm like Jesus Christ. Oh, They're dude. not that good of a team. Being one or two games above 500 does not make a great team. 
I'm a Cubs fan. They're only like two games above 500. They suck right now. The the BFIB have been coming out of the woodworks. I think that I, I, I just got a statement to make. Uh, went to the game in Kansas City the other night. Fun, good time. But uh, I think the la- – the, the, okay, they've won six straight. The Royals played horribly. They're, they didn't face – oh, this is what I want to point out. The Cardinals missed Dan Duffy, and the Royals missed Adam Wainwright. If you shift up a couple of days on that series, it's two and two. I mean, they're splitting it. Because I think that, that I think that Duffy could have beat him, and I think the Royals would have beat Wainwright. So that was just the stars aligned right. And, ooh, man, Neftali Feliz had a horrendous series. So did Mike Miner. There were, the Royals did not – did not pitch well at any. Well, and here's the and now their situation is, oh shit! If we're not going to play well, they better hurry up and get what they can out of their free agents before the thirty first deadline. Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting ready to think look about selling again. If the Cubs don't turn it around in the next couple weeks, I want them to sell. Yeah, the Royals are only Wade a game Davis, out of the wild card though. So Wade Davis and Jake Arrieta, free agents at the end. No one wants John Lackey. He should be DFA, but. They, if the Cubs don't turn it around, you know, man, it'd be tough to say don't sell because the Astros, you know what they need? Some bullpen help and a starting pitcher. Yeah. They could give up one of their top, you know, Forrest Whitley or Francis Marte uh, for Jake Arrieta and Wade Davis. Who says no? Yeah. They don't want to trade their big studs, but it's fairly obvious now the Astros screwed up by not doing anything at the trade deadline. I'm going to make a proposal to you on behalf of the Royals. Just tinker with it here. Jorge Soler for Wade Davis. Absolutely not. Man, Jorge's having a pretty tough year. (laughs) Absolutely not. But he's basically having the same type of year Alex Gordon has. Yeah, Alex Gordon has been awful. Awful contract. I laughed my ass off when they signed it. Out of just like shaking disbelief, um, I was really wanting the Cardinals to sign Alex Gordon because there was, you know, oh, we get, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to chase after him. I said, do it, please do it. But they yeah, didn't. the car, the Cubs were also in that hunt. Yeah, but you know, turns out they had their eye on Jason Hayward. So yeah, so uh, when I was at the game, I was pointing out to my father-in-law. Uh, Alex Gordon's OPS and you know it was like 500 and there was a drunk Royals fan behind me just talking smack and I just had to ignore him because he had no idea what I was talking about as far as OPS or anything like that and yeah uh, I mean an OPS ain't even a complicated statistic it's it's really not I mean it's it's on base plus slugging it's pretty simple and Alex Gordon is Alex Gordon's is 500 which I'm no sabermetician, but not very good. No, that's super bad. And, you know, I, I mean, it's like the same people I argue with. Average. Well, look at Carl Schwarber's average. Look at so-and-so's average. It's like, well, the MLB average is 255 this year. Because they were going on and off. Chris Bryant's 270 average sucking or something. And I'm like... Well, it's 15 points higher than the average. Yeah. I mean, people got to understand, first off, average means nothing anymore. It's cool stats to look at. If someone's batting 350, 
they're having a hell of a year. You hope their on-base percentage is a lot higher than that then. But, man, I tell you what, you're not – I mean, the MLB average is 255. This was a couple of weeks ago. It's probably less now. Um, so, I mean, it's just something to think about because I think I remember used to be looking at MLB average stats when the average across baseball was like 270. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong? No. Is that never a thing? No, I think you're it right. It, 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 it's, it's getting lower now. I mean, yeah, teams I teams are placing more value on on-base percentage, slugging. Uh, the old, it's better to strike out with a man on first than ground into a double play. Uh, strikeouts are up. So I think that there's just a lot of factors that, you know, have led to a little bit lower batting average. Home runs are up. Yes. Home runs are up. Strikeouts are up. You know, I think they're scoring a bunch of runs. Yeah. So, I mean, baseball's not boring. Just Oh, no. There's just not a lot of hitting going on outside of home runs. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Uh, Lucas enjoys it. Hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. We've become a weekly podcast, and we're trying to give you guys our all. Uh, Lucas, do you have any uh, closing argument before we get off here? Nope. Yeah, same here. Oh, maybe a little uh, college football preview is coming out next week from the Fumbling Punter. So, folks, keep your ears to the ground for that. Uh, Lucas, thanks for this, and we will talk to you all on Monday.